Welcome to Crasscord's Autographs. For the one-year anniversary of Autographs, Matt is joined by the first full band ever to appear in the series, the pop-punk and rock ensemble known as Sexy Heroes. Hailing from Upper Saddle River, New Jersey, Sexy Heroes is composed of four members, Chris Watts on lead vocals and bass, Mike Watts on guitar and vocals, Nick Everett on guitar and vocals, and Nick Magliano on drums. All band members with a belated Chris Watts appear via conference call to tout the September release of their newest LP, Yellow Fever, along with its first single and music video, Real Life, Not a Read-Through. With Matt, they discuss everything from the evolution of the band name, to their songwriting process, to their individual influences, downtime shenanigans, and finally, the band's future. So please enjoy this exclusive interview between Matt Storm and Mike, Nick, Nick, and Chris of Sexy Heroes. So I have Sexy Heroes here on the Crash Chords Autographs podcast. Um, three of the four members of the band, I thank you guys for taking the time to chat with me. For the listeners, if you guys could just introduce yourselves and what instruments you play. All right. Uh, well, my name is Mike Watts, and I play guitar. And uh, my brother, who cannot make the call right now, is uh, he's the lead singer. He plays bass, and it's Chris Waters. And Nick? Oh, well... I am Nicholas Michael Everett, and I play guitar and sing also, and uh, that's about it. So, uh, Nicholas Magarishi Magliano. My name is also Nick, and I play drums. That's not really his name, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's too confusing to have two Nicks in the band, so uh, we made up a nickname for him, and his real name, for all intents and purposes, is Magarishi. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I, I imagine it would get confusing with two people with the same name and band. You know, you gotta, you gotta yeah. change it up. Um, exactly. So I've been a fan of you guys for a while. The first time I ever saw you guys play was with um, the Dolly Rot and uh, um, Bowling for Soup way back in the day. Um, and uh, I've enjoyed your music since. I'm stoked about the new album. Um, so that's coming out soon, right? Yellow Fever? Yeah, we uh, we actually have physical copies right now, but uh, we are going to do a CD release show, um, hopefully in the end of September, and uh, we're going to try to book out a place in the city, get in a really good venue, and have the whole place to ourselves, and obviously get some other bands on the lineup. But uh, yeah, we're stoked. I mean, we haven't released a new album in a couple years now, so and this album has a bit of a different sound to it, you know, a little harder edge, and. Uh, yeah, we'll be releasing it very shortly and can't wait to do it. Well, I know that the last record in Tarot Bang, which I have, um, was a bit lighter, um, at least in uh, uh, subject matter. The new single, uh, Real Life, Not a Read-Through, is a little bit of a heavier kind of, you know, it's still got that kind of pop-punk pop sound, but, you know, the edge of the song is a little heavier. What made you guys decide to kind of go in that direction a bit? Yeah. Uh, Nick, working with a uh, a producer who um, been doing some stuff with um, with Lady Gaga and a few other rather large acts, and we got involved uh, via actually a business relationship that uh, Mike and Chris's dad had with this guy, and it turned out that we we ended up playing some music in his studio and developing our sound. It ended up being sort of like a development, a developmental sort of thing. And uh, we've always liked pushing our boundaries anyway. We've never strictly just done pop punk or punk. We've always jammed other things. And it, it, it just sort of started going in that direction. The more, the more we built on things, and uh, I, I guess the more we experimented, we, we ended up liking a lot of the stuff we were doing. So we sort of, started taking it in that direction. That's yeah, really and, awesome. Uh, and lyrically, too, you know, we, we we used to write a lot about, you know, about very topical songs, and we still hope to do that, but, you know, the, at this point of our lives, we 
I'll speak for my brother here, uh, who wrote the lyrics, Chris. He, um, you know, it's a lot. A lot of the album is about his personal experiences and some of the troubles he was going through, and just some, you know, just real life issues, and that kind of, you know, symbolizes the song "Real Life," not a real read through. And we felt that it was important to, you know, convey what was really going on in our lives at that time, and his life just more specifically, and that's kind of what changed and matured our sound a little bit. We also the timing as well. I mean, we, we, we've been working on this album for, what, what was it now, about two years? Um, yeah, a little like over over that, three years, yeah. Yeah, two, three years. So, I mean, across that time, naturally, we've all developed as musicians. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we've had chances to bring some of our own influences and have put our own, our own stamps on things. So, uh, but that's all come into play as well. And, that we've changed drummer a couple of times too, so that breaks the best dance on it. It's, yeah, across time, it's sort of evolved into this new sound. That's, I mean, it's really awesome, man. It's very easy to tell just from the, the few tracks that you guys have released on SoundCloud and, of course, the video for, for Real Life, not a read-through, which also has a bit of a darker tone. It's got a strong narrative, you know, the overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, is that story for the music video... So tell us a little bit about the music video shoot and where the narrative came from. Is it based on a true experience that one of you guys had with someone who was taking stuff, or is it just kind of something you wrote and created to add drama to the song? Well, it's it's loosely based on real-life issues that we've had and with friends of ours. And, um, you know, it, what literally happens in the video isn't, you know, isn't 100% true. But, you know, we've certain things are, and, um, you know, it's very – it's emotional stuff and you know it's had an effect on people we've known and in our lives so we wanted to you know really capture that and emulate that and so the video shoot how did that come to be well Uh, we we started working with uh we got in contact with a great couple of producers and writers from uh, a company called uh, sleepless pictures and Mm -hmm. uh, did a fantastic job We, we sent in some songs we but they got back and said, well, we, we like what you've got here. That's why a couple of narratives based on these songs. And we went back and forth developing a story together, and we came out with the story that is now the video that we both like. And once we agreed upon that, we, it was all just a matter of finding limitations and, and, and getting to the shoot. So it's sort of a collaborative effort written off of the narrative that leads around the lyrics. So we turned the lyrics and made written a story based around that, and that's what we shot the video from. Um, and so uh, I want to talk a little bit now about, so when I first got into you guys and looked up your catalog, and I looked up Sexy Heroes, another band came up, Sexy Heroes in Transit, which I then realized was also you guys. So <laughs> um, you had had a different name in the beginning and then changed it to this one. I guess uh, the, the question is, how did the, the name come to be kind of in general, and why why the change from Sexy Heroes in Transit to just Sexy Heroes? Well, we, we stopped we stopped moving. <laughs> no, we uh, <laughs> we uh, we actually ran into a we actually ran into a couple issues. You know, we uh, we a, a lot of our fans they had a church of ours because you know the the name Sexy Heroes in Transit is a very clever acronym, and mm-hmm. uh, we. <laughs> Maybe not so clever, but uh, we had a we had a uh, we had a couple kids, a couple fans of ours, wearing our shirts at schools, and you know it wasn't so obvious that it was the acronym, but people put two and two together, and they got in trouble, and they were, they complained to us. They're like, you know, not to us. They're like, you know, our teachers aren't letting us wear our, your shirts. It's, it really sucks. We love you guys and we want to promote you, but we're getting told not to do this, and it was that, and you know we. We went on a couple of radio stations, and they're like, you know, we love you guys. We want to play you, but we can't say your name, unfortunately, because it just doesn't allow our pol- our policy doesn't allow it. And we're like, okay, well, how are we going to promote ourselves if we can't even say our name? So we were just like, you know what, we might as well just drop it and simplify it. It's a little shorter, a little quicker, and flows off the tongue a little bit better. And we're still sexy, so you know, it works. Just- <laughs> it made some very interesting uh, radio interviews, though, um, when we were promoting our singles. It was, here's a new single by, we can't tell you, 
stand up <laughs> we can't really tell you what that is either. But hey, I hope you enjoy the song. <laughs> Um, and so how long have you guys been together? Because I know that show that I saw you guys at Bowling for Soup was at least five or six years ago. So you guys have been around for a while beyond that, I'm guessing. When, when did the band kind of first come together? Uh, well, we originally started playing, let's see, uh, at the end of 2005, so a very long time ago. And, uh, you know, we weren't so serious at the beginning. It was just kind of like, well, we were also very young, and but uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's been about nine years now, and yeah, a long time. But we we love it. We we love playing around. We love our fans. We love everything about it. So, um, my next question is in regards to some of the songs you've done for Tarot Bang, which were also from the earlier records as well. Stuff like. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Louis G. and uh, Blessington Diaries. These are all pop culture influenced uh, and infused songs. Is this just something that you guys were kind of all into and that you just wanted to do a song about? Where were some of the inspiration for some of the pop culture uh, stuff? Hell yeah. It was, you know, we're big nerds at heart, too. You know, like, we love Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor, and we've always loved him. And Mario and Luigi, we, we, we used to play a band all the time, Mario Kart, and Super Smash Brothers, so like we're big nerds, and that was totally just who we were and what we wanted, what we wrote about, and what we wanted to write about. Because you know, there's so many bands out there who write what they think other people want to hear, but we won't. We wrote what we wanted to hear, and what we wanted to. It's also something that we because we all like it. We we sort of talk about it all the time. It comes out in our jams. So if we're writing something, or not even if we're writing something, I mean, in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of a practice, we could start singing the most absurd song, or just making a, a ridiculous song about something that we like. And then, you know, sometimes they're too absurd and they never turn into songs. But a lot of the time, you know, the songs start with a stupid lyric or a melody, just for melody's sake, and uh, they. Something ended up as songs like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a good example of that because we were happy to be fans. But it was initially it was a satirical throwaway jam that we we had a, that we later developed into a song. So that's that's how a lot of these come about. Well, I remember specifically the the year I first heard you guys. Like that was kind of right after the Iron Man Sherlock Holmes One Two Punch. So like that that I remember hearing that song. And like oh. Wow, this is very timely, and you know I too love Robert Downey Jr., so I can relate <laughs> to this song. Yeah. Um, and also, you s- for a phone call from him. Uh, say again. So we're still waiting for our phone call from him. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, where he finds out <laughs> that you guys wrote about him. Um, and also, you know, as a fan, uh, Bluffington Diaries. Growing up watching Doug and kind of feeling like I was the only person who still remembers the show. That's such a great oh, song because anyone who grew up watching that show, like you guys, hit all of the points. It's just a fun song about an old cartoon. Hell yeah! You know we, I like to think that, and I can speak for Chris too, and he is the lyric writer that we, we have a lot of nostalgia, and we know that there's a lot of people who, you know, we're older now, but we still care about that kind of stuff, and it's still a huge part of our childhood. And who doesn't want to hear that kind of, you know, like if you're a fan of it, why forget? Those years, why why not bring them into light and bask in the glory? <laughs> sure. You know, it's... Um, so uh, my next question is, as opposed, you know, continuing with the theme of uh, writing songs. Um, obviously, your brother does the lyric writing, as you've mentioned, and you guys, I'm sure, it's a collaborative process for the melodies and for music. Do you guys come up with a melody first and then kind of put lyrics to it, or is it the other way around, or is it different every time? That is a complete variation every single time we write a song. I mean, it could start off with us all having a jam and one part fixed, and we decide to build a song around that. It could start off by, you know, Chris writing a lyric or a melody, or, you know, Mike writing a guitar part or a drum part or, you know, a guitar lick or something. And we'll we'll just go off and yeah, you know, so there's, there's so many different ways that we end up writing songs. I wouldn't say there's a particular way that we do it. But, yeah, um, for sure. That's that's how we've always been about gone about it. You know, we all bring something to the table, 
And and Nick Magarishi here, he he brings a lot to the table as well, and he has like we all have a lot of creativity, and you know we don't want to have one person sort of controlling that because we all have something great to bring to the table. So whenever there's an influence or inspiration, it just happens, and we work off of it. Um, I'm curious now for each of you, and and um. Maybe Mike, you can speak for your brother. You all, I'm sure, have. Uh, he just told me he's available to call. Should I uh, get him to call me, or? Yeah, get him to call you if you think you can patch him in live. We'll let the audience go on this ride with us. Um, and if we need right. the call, then I'll edit it. Awesome. Let me try. Let me try to get him in here. Actually, Nick Magarishi, can you patch him in? It's not letting me do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll try that right now. All right, sweet. And Magarishi gets involved. Yep. I figure why why leave the audience out of the fun and let them go on this ride to bring in the full band. You guys are the first full band I've had a phone conversation with, so this is fun. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Of course, man. I'm glad we could uh, pop your cherry. <laughs> How's it going, Nick? He's probably adding them in. He's probably calling them. He can't hear us. Yeah, when you're merging calls, you can't hear anybody. It's why yeah. I asked you guys could hear me in the beginning, because when I'm, I patch in the hello, recording hello. device. Hey. Nick and Chris, you guys are here? Yeah, I'm right here. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Chris. I'm glad we were able to get the entire IR band on the phone. Yeah, me as well. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I was just about to ask before you had uh, uh, contacted and said that you could join us is I want to know what each individual band member's greatest influences are. So obviously, overall, your sound is very reminiscent of pop punk and kind of punk uh, across the decades. But for singing, guitar, bass, all the drums, all the individual instruments, do you have a specific influence? Hmm. That's an interesting one. Um. I mean, I I personally, I have a ton of different uh, influences. Uh, it would be hard for me to narrow down one. Um, or or rattle off a few names, if there's a few names you want to mention off the cuff that are at least within your inspiration realm. I definitely uh, attribute a lot of uh, my singing to uh, Ed Better from Pearl Jam. Um, I love the way he uses his voice. And, uh, well, sometimes, you know, I sing soft and then other times he has that growl in his voice which I love um and also people like Nell Effects um the way that Mike plays bass and sings and the attitude that he gives while singing I guess um those are probably two of my biggest ones um and obviously very early on Green Day was a huge influence um but I, I think it's sort of away from that because people always used to compare us to them and I I always thought that we had sort of a sound all of our own but uh, you know so I tried to get away from the Green Day thing as much as possible however I would but, say that um, all of us especially and Nick the new drummer here Nick Mariano he loves Trey Cool and, and he's heavily influenced by Green Day I know I'm heavily influenced by them Nick has some oh, yeah, absolutely too. As a oh, band, yeah. that's that's probably one of the uh, greatest uh, well, or all around bands that influence. That's all at some at some point in their career. So, yeah, Nick, do you want to elaborate on your influences too? Um, which one? Magarisi. Magarisi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, well, I'm influenced by. I started out being influenced by like a ton of punk band, just like No Effects, Green Day, Blink Eighty Two. And I'm kind of moving towards, like, I'm really into, like, punk drumming, indie drumming, stuff like that. Yeah. I kind of strayed away from, from punk, but um, it's always there. For sure. Yeah, I, I would say across the board with us that uh, punk music and punk bands like those we just listed are the main reason that we started uh, playing music in a band. Um, and I think that that's always been, like, our... I guess uh, favorite music um, to listen to and to play, but uh, you know, as we've grown as musicians, we've tried to take influences from all sorts of places to 
try and create a more original, unique sound. Yeah, Punk is really the glue that holds everything together. They're on top of that we have, you know, our own influences. I mean, I I totally agree with Chris, but I think Cold Jam is a big one for me. Um, Queen is probably my all-time favorite. And uh, other than that, John Cusciante is... uh, and what about you, Chris? What would you say is your biggest vocal influence? Uh, actually, I was the first one to answer. Oh, uh, I gave the end better in the fat mic, but That's yeah, right. it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell me and my brother apart sometimes. Even you my guys get confused. You so. sound <laughs> similar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh, my influence. You know, I I I really love Chili Peppers. You know, and and uh, a big fan of Foo Fighters. Well, Rancid. Oh, you know sure. that kind of. But at the same time, you know, we used to, I used to do musical theater when I was younger, and my brother mm-hmm. did as well. So like, I love. You know how scores are written, and, and you know it's completely different from punk music. But you know, I think there's ways to take influence from every kind of music you hear, and 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 the way that that kind of music put together is unlike everything else. And I I I love it. And yeah, I would agree with that in uh, the way we try and do melodies too, because musical theater songs are so catchy. And you know, growing up singing it and performing it all the time, I think that's one harmony and harmonies with influence from Queen there with the harmonies too, you know, and that's that kind of stuff. Well, so I can totally see the musical theater influence in certain songs. Like Louis G, for sure, is kind of structured like a you know fun pop kind of theatrical song, you know, especially since yeah. it's from the perspective of Louis G thinking about you know how he's not a, he thinks he's better than his brother, but other people don't, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. My my next question is for Chris specifically because we were touching on it before he joined us. Um, we were talking about the differences between the kinds of songs you guys have been writing and now the kind of, not different direction, but a newer direction to expand on with the newer songs. You're taking a more personal approach and writing stuff from the heart as well as pop culture reference stuff. Do you find it easier to write the personal stuff? or the, as far as lyrics, the personal stuff, or the more kind of fun and funny uh, pop culture stuff, or is it different for, for different reasons? Um, you know, that's interesting. Um, I, in thinking about the old, you know, the fun, nostalgic, whatever, um, pop culture kind of songs, I also think those, I think of those as personal, because, you know, especially when we were writing those things, like, as a, all those things are just a huge part of my life, and mm-hmm. as I've grown older, you know, there's been more, more, uh, I want to say, difficult situations and things that you know you go through in life, and uh, I think it's just sort of different stages of my life. You know, uh, when my life was all about the silly things, that was what I was writing about, and then as things changed as it grew up, you know, I started going through other things. So uh, I kind of think of them as one of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I know it's kind of a strange way of thinking, but uh, I, I kind of, I find it just easy to write both of them. And I, I like both of them just the same. And I've always said that, you know, even now that our newest songs are, are a little more in a serious vein, I don't want to ever stop writing songs like we used to as well. Sure. Because I know that 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 touches that touches a part of somebody um, the same way it does with me. You know, thinking back of nostalgia and growing up and being a kid brings up a completely different emotion as you know a song about uh, a horrible time in your life or whatever. Well, sure. I mean, actually, your song "In the Zone." Like, I didn't know if anybody re- uh, remembered "Discovery Zone" besides me growing up in Staten Island, New York. So when I first got in Tarabang and heard that song, I was like, no way. Like, someone else knows this place? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that place is amazing. So many so many times I went there for birthdays when I was younger. Oh, man. It was a sad day when Chuck and Cheese walked in out. 
That's for sure. <laughs> to, to quote in the zone, so many birthdays I had there, seems I never had a care. If I made a, if I made a uh, discovery zone for adults with oversized, like, blow-up balls and bigger nets inside, I would go for my birthday. <laughs> I would go for more than my birthday, Nick. I don't know. <laughs> I would go there every week. I'd go there over going out to the club. The next question I have is actually from, um, I posted that I was doing the interview tonight, and um, a gentleman named Eric asked, what's the craziest place you've ever stayed while on tour? <laughs> of course he. <laughs> I, I, I think that we will probably all agree on the same thing, but uh, it was at JBS House. <laughs> Anyone disagree? No, no. Yeah, I, I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? Are we going to JBS House? Yes. <laughs> we, 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 won't, we won't give away the name, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll premise the story here. We uh, We went to a play in Ohio, and... On the way, uh, we were talking to this guy who was going to be our manager. He wanted to manage us, and he was in Pennsylvania. And he's like, you know, we're, I live on the way, um, so you should stop by. I'm like, all right, we could go see what he has to offer. And he, it wasn't on the way. It was like three hours out of the way, but <laughs> we, we still went. And Middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere, yeah. We to start, we got there, and there were flies in. That's what so it looked like. So it looked like a scene from Wrong Turn, if anybody's seen that movie. To put it <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was, it, was this, it was this really big house, but it, it even had a sign on it. It said, like, the Broke Down Palace or something like that. And uh, it, it really sort of looked like that. It was this very old house that was just, it seemed so randomly thrown together. I remember opening one door, and there was, like, four or five giant weed plants growing <laughs> Um, and we just sat outside by the fire for most of the night, uh, talk, having the strangest conversation. And then, uh, when we all went to bed, we kind of thought, uh, we were worried for the other people because we went all in the same room and we were wondering if somebody had been cooked and eaten for dinner or something like that. So, and, and at one point, very strange, at one point we, <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were outside, I think we like went to go take a piss in the bushes or something and we hear a gunshot and, and we're all like, what the hell? What was that? And this guy who who we were with in the guy's house, he was like, let's go check it out. And all of us were like, why the hell would we go check out gunfire? <laughs> why would we go closer to the sound of gunfire? He just gets up and exits and just storms into the bushes to go and find this <laughs> music. They just left in the middle of nowhere around this campfire, just staring at each other. Like, should we go? Should we not? And at the time, a friend who was sitting in on guns for us there, Eric Greeny, brother of the famous Kevin Greeny. Um, he, uh, he started texting everybody saying, uh, I, want, I want everybody to know that if I die, this guy did it. Uh, no name tells And just before we left in the morning, we were like, all right, let's get the hell out of here. And he made us uh, hold hands and, and do some group prayer thing. And we... He was, like, angry at us that we weren't closing our eyes, so he closed his eyes, and then we just obviously kept him open, and we're like, we need to get out of here because we are going to die if we stay here any longer. Either that or we're going to be forced into a cult. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh... One of us almost did die. I mean, we drew short stores, and uh, Chris was going to meet and sleep by himself. We all sort of, like, grouped together in a tiny little room. We had enough room in it to sleep, uh, one, like, have one single bed. I think uh, I and uh, the drummer all tried to share this, this one bed. Uh, and we were using our sleeping pillows and all kinds of stuff. And unfortunately, Chris had to sleep in this room by itself. And we were, we were trying to debate how many it would take for, uh, to, for us to realize that Chris was actually dead. Uh, and to say, that was the top. The, uh, very strange place. But it gets even better. The next, when we played the show in Ohio, uh, we got there, it was a good show, and then, but during our, one of the sets, some band was, like, fighting with the management of the bar, or, like, the venue, and 
and they just stormed out. And then the next day or the next week, I can't remember what it was, we found out that the place burned down. So I think there was some arsony involved, and it was quite an adventure. And, uh, we actually, we actually as well, we, we managed to get two shows because we turned up at the wrong, we turned up at the wrong venue, which was really <laughs> difficult the road, and uh, all these bands that are turning up listening to their cool music, and we, we turned up with the windows down listening to Harry Potter on tape. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I went in and I, I spoke to this guy to find out what was going on, and he's like, oh, 60 heroes. Uh, I don't have you on the bill. And I, I looked at this guy and I was like, listen, we, we just drove from New Jersey, okay? And so we had definitely in the show. He's like, well, let me just go talk to the guy. And we ended up getting a soft-line of spot. And came out with the guy, Chris, who was sitting on the top of the uh, street waving me. Oh, we just said, here, it's over here. So we, we, we actually, the at the same time. so we, we obviously didn't play one of the venues, but uh, it was <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, it uh, sounds like it's not dull for you guys on tour, that's for sure, at least for a story <laughs> like that. Um, I'm guessing that Eric is a friend of yours and knew that story, so wanted to yeah. make sure that it came up on the air. He certainly did. Yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> if, you've ever, uh, if you've ever heard the song Durani Deadline. Um, Eric is one of the Duranis. So. Oh, awesome. Um, so with uh, Yellow Fever coming out very shortly and you guys planning a CD release party, um, I imagine you guys have a plan to go on tour after the CD release? Uh, well, yeah. we're, we're certainly going to be trying to book some festivals and as many shows as we can in the area and the Northeast, you know, at least start there and work our way out. But, you know, our our goal is I, we're going to try to hit festivals, I think, harder initially. Mm-hmm. You know, try to get a, a, a broad audience there and really build up our name around here. And obviously we would love to tour. So I think, uh, I think honestly, one of, one of our biggest goals for a while in terms of touring is to get added to the bill of the Warp Tour. Um, mm. I think, I think it's a perfect, perfect place for us to play. And, uh, I think that's that's our number one goal after the CD release, at least in my eyes. But uh, we're sort of taking it one step at a time right now, just making sure that we figure out the release. But yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely be playing as much as possible in support of the album because mm-hmm. it's been a long time coming. So I'm going to release another video or so as well coming up. So uh, we're actually going to start a uh, crowdfunding as well for. Uh, a few things, so I'm going to keep an eye on some unique things on that list in this I know us, like we do. There will probably be some pretty unique things on that list. So, uh, so you, can, you can look forward to all kinds of funny things coming out from us. So, uh, yeah, and uh, we'll be promoting everything through Sexy Heroes Music as our website mm-hmm. and our Facebook page and YouTube and Twitter, Instagram, all of that. So you just search Sexy Heroes music, and you can find everything. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I imagine, I imagine that there would be a second single and a second video. Have you guys decided what the next song? Have you shot that that next video yet? Uh, possibly. It's it's there's been talk. Okay, so this is something that you're still keeping close to the chest until until uh, you release it, which is fine. I'm excited to know that there's going to be another video. Um, I enjoy sure, it very much. Be. I very much enjoyed the video for Real Life, Not a Read Through, because as someone who got into you guys through the pop culture stuff, seeing a little bit of a kind of darker, serious, kind of different side is always exciting for me as a fan of music, because you like to know that the bands that you enjoy have a diversity in style and sound, as well as kind of focus. So it was kind of, and it was wonderfully shot, so it was cool to kind of see this kind of more serious, darker side for that music video. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we had a we had a great time doing that video as well. Um, and yeah, the guys who did it we were we were just fantastic, and we're we're probably gonna continue working with them and uh, with our videos in the future because they did a great job. Um, this, no, go ahead. Bill was just agreeing with them. I said they did. 
Um, the the next thing I wanted to ask is so since since Yellow Fever has been a long time in the making, and obviously you're you're just re- getting ready to release this, you guys probably have all done all the writing that you plan to do. Do you guys plan on trying to put out another album close to this one just to kind of keep it going, or are you going to just kind of ride Yellow Fever for now and focus on that since that's the newest release? Well, we're certainly gonna we're certainly gonna you know uh, push this album real hard and, and focus on that for a while. But you know, unfortunately, we didn't write that with our new drummer Nick. So mm-hmm. obviously, we're gonna try to segue it with into you know some more singles. I, I don't think we're gonna do an, a full album, but I think it would be a great idea to do a couple singles and maybe a little short EP and get. Nick on some of our tracks, and because when we write, when we play together, when we jam with him, it's a whole new chemistry, and I can't wait to do it. And I know uh, he must be itching to do it. So. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, so we actually have uh, thought of a, a new, interesting way of uh, approaching writing music um, and releasing music more specifically. Um, we've been talking about just uh, every, you know, two months, three months, just releasing a handful of singles. Um, That way we stay relevant and we're always putting out new songs, um, different styles, different, you know, some some, uh, more pop culture, some more serious, and just continually put out music so that people are getting stuff all the time rather than, you know, having a gap in between albums and stuff because, we we write constantly. Um, we're always we're always writing. We're always jamming new ideas. So to actually um, put all of them down and just continually release this just seems logical. I mean that makes sense. And also in the kind of internet culture that we all live in now, you know, fast release singles or at least putting out content is kind of what will always keep you mm-hmm. relevant. And I imagine after the gap that you guys had, you want to kind of just kind of put out stuff and kind of stay, you know, keep playing and stay stay relevant so you can continue to support and, and put out stuff for your fans. For sure. Absolutely. And I think it'll also, it'll also push us to uh, explore different areas and evolve in a bunch of different ways. Because, you know, when, you, when you're putting out an album, you want to sort of have a, a general... Um, theme to your album, um, at least kind of a through line in the way the songs, are, the style of the songs are done, the way they're all put together. You can't have, you know, 10 songs on an album that all sound completely different. But when you're releasing singles, I think you can um, make them a little more, they have a little more variety in them and be a little more different than each other. And I think, uh, I also think that we're never really short of anything um, musically to work with because like, as Chris said you know, we're always we're always working together we're, we're always writing stuff and uh, we actually I mean to yell at people we actually wrote I don't know what was it something like 30 songs for the album and we managed to work this down to the 11 that were actually on there so yeah I'm going to be surprised if there are a few B-sides later on that you know come out as well just to see what too um, that's awesome. I mean, I think that you're absolutely right also about the singles. You know, it's good to focus on, when you're focusing on one song, you can kind of do something fun and different than when you're focusing on the entire album art because you're kind of thinking ahead with the album, whereas with the single, you're kind of just focusing on the one idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my next question touches on something that came up briefly in the beginning when we were talking about inspirations for some of the pop culture songs. Um, it was mentioned that the band enjoys playing Mar- its fair share of Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, which I am a fan of also, so that's awesome. My next question is, though, when you guys are either on tour or just kind of have some downtime from writing or recording or playing, what's your favorite pastime as a band or even individually? Do you have preferred kind of downtime activities? Oh, for sure, Smash Brothers, all the way. We all love the game. <laughs> Do you guys play the new version on the Wii U? Oh, of course. of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I'm a big fan of hockey. So I'm, I do fantasy hockey as well when the season's going on. So I'm constantly updating my fantasy team and, uh, checking out stats and highlights and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm constantly on NHL.com. So, uh, that's definitely a huge, uh, hobby and test fun for me. 
And um, but yeah, Mega, 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 Rishi, Mega Rishi loves hitting up the ladies. In the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, they don't, they don't be frank, uh, they're doing often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, a lot, 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 lot of video games and a lot of, uh, lot of hockey. That's, that's, that's usually how it goes. Uh, I, um, I do like playing hockey. Uh, me and Chris actually play, uh, um, we, we actually play, uh, pretty regularly. Um, and we, we, uh, we enter the playing fantasy hockey league, so, there are, there are points when it comes to crunch time where where there, there may be competitiveness and, and there may be some competitiveness. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, but it's um, it's all good fun and you know hanging out with each other and uh, doing things together. So. And you know what? The other thing that uh, we've always done um, since we started playing music is uh you know, even when we're not focusing on, you know, in our downtime, when we're not focusing on the band necessarily, we're writing stupid, stupid songs uh, about each other or about, you know, something that we see in the room. We'll just write a ridiculous song about it. And uh, sometimes those actually, you know, we come up with a good melody or riff and those actually turn into sexy hero songs eventually. But uh, we spend a lot of time doing that as well. If you had to say one of you guys is the best Smash Brothers player, would you all be able to agree on who the one best player is, or is there not one? It's Mike, hands down. Yeah, I, I would definitely say Mike. Although in the new one, I think uh, I think we give him some competition a little bit, but uh, you're definitely, crazy. definitely Mike. You're crazy. I'll take you off. <laughs> Mike has a technique, that's why. You know, if he starts losing, he'll pretend that his contact lens is coming out. <laughs> uh, I mean, we always make a joke that yeah, whenever he goes to fix his contact lens, um, he's giving himself a pep talk in the mirror. That, <laughs> Come on, Mike, you can do this. You're better than them. You can do this. Hey, I mean, I think like anyone who's got contact lens and doesn't blink for a long time, I think, I think you guys understand me. <laughs> it gets a little intense, you know. You don't blink for like two minutes. Shit falls out. What can I say? Yeah, Mike. Mike actually got tested uh, a long time ago, um, and for you know different audio skills and visual things. And the lady said that he has the best visual processing that she's ever seen. So that's that's one of the reasons why he's so good at Smash. Ah, okay. Well, it's good. It's always fun to hear a band. in uh, unanimously agree about one thing at least, and that's that that Mike is the best Smash Brothers player. Mike, do you have a do you have a preferred character you prefer to play with? Ooh, uh, you know I I can't say I do. You know I I really enjoy Mario. I as much as people might think like, but I thought you like Luigi more. You know, but I, I think <laughs> I think he's he's a great character, um, well rounded. But I I kind of like to play with everyone. To be honest with you, I like to change it up because then you know it's not so predictable too people don't get to know what you like to do so it's a little harder I think to fight against someone like that but um Meg Rishi too he's he said he's the best in melee but me and him have never had a chance to go one on one with that yeah that, that needs to happen it does need to happen <laughs> me and me and Meg Rishi have a uh, we have a bet that we still haven't settled yet and uh, there's just a few yeah, it, it does get competitive. You can, it could be any character, but he, I don't think he'll win. I feel like competition is important. Uh, you know, you don't want to always agree on everything or, or get along. It's fun to fight a little bit and and, uh, and mess around. And it's it sounds like it's good that you guys do this stuff together. I guess it's also important for a band to bond besides just writing music um, it's, over it's, over things. It's good. But it also, you know, there there have been times where it's, uh, you know, maybe caused a breakup of the band at some point. Because, you know, we've gone through, uh, we're on drummer number seven right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we, we've had some issues where video games have caused the problem because it's become a little too intense. <laughs> but, 
Well, no. <laughs> it's never just video games. <laughs> and I was going to say that while, while we're in competition mode, if there are any fans out there that, that, that would like to challenge, uh, like, you can, you can pick a partner. If you'd like to come and challenge myself and Christopher and, uh, on the mini golf competition, then I, I, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll, you'll give you a run for your money because, I mean, we, we can Christopher happen to be, uh, you know, very, 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 very good um, mini golf players. And we, we, we've won our competitions more than a handful of times, so. Uh, my next question for you guys is, um, as musicians, um, what would you say is the most important thing to remember? Say you were going to inform the audience and aspiring musicians what, like, the most integral or important thing is to being in a band that keeps you going, keeps you motivated. Make sure you're having fun. Make sure that everybody that is watching you can tell that you're having fun. Because if you're not having fun... A, there's no point. B, an audience can sense that. And if you're not having fun, you know, they'll see right through it. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to like smash bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, you know, there have been times where things have been tough and uh, the fun starts to fade away and it to that is what would you guys say is the most fun and this, you guys can have different answers or the same answer what would you say is the most fun song to play live I know it's tough to pick a favorite song but do you think there's a song that's the most energetic or the most fun to play for a live audience uh, I would say that one of my favorites to play is Jurassic Punk it's got that driving beat it's a straight up punk song brought in your face and uh, well, who doesn't like Jurassic Park yeah right. yeah I do enjoy the songs that I've heard so far. 
and I'm excited for the CD release, which if I can be there, I definitely will. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, this podcast that you're on is one of two podcasts I do um, on Crash Court. The other one is a weekly album review show, um, which we would also love to have you guys on. I do it with two co-hosts. If we bring a band on, we usually have them all agree on one album to review. It has to be something relatively recent. And then we, we analyze and review an album track by track. So if we can make that happen, I would love to do that too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. For sure. And uh, thank you for having us on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank my, you, man. My pleasure. Um, this is actually, when this airs on, coming this Tuesday, it'll be one year since I started doing my interview show, which is independent of the main show. And so uh, oh, well, I want to Thank you. I want to thank you guys. This is the first full band I've done via phone, and I appreciate you guys being my celebratory one-year anniversary interview. It's been a pleasure chatting with you guys, and hopefully we can do it again in person in the future. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So, yeah. So, uh, actually, there's one other thing I would ask if you guys don't mind. We have a sign-off on the main show and a thing to the website, which is music is life and life is good. Uh, If possible, if you guys think you can all do it in unison, I would love to have you guys do our sign-off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Music is Subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.